The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this episode are that of the guest and host and do not necessarily reflect the values of sponsors or other associated organizations. Welcome to the Parental Compass by Family Education and Support Services. I am your host, Bobby Williams. Thank you for listening in, tuning in, clicking in, whatever you want to call it. We appreciate having you here and we would like you to subscribe to the show. Whatever platform you're listening on, please hit subscribe. We drop a new episode every week. A lot of families would like to have a dog, but as they say, it's a big responsibility. Dogs kind of speak their own language, and unless you're a real experienced animal person, it can be tough to know what they're saying. How can you integrate them into your family? Today we are being joined by Lori Carmen. Lori runs an organization called Dream Dogs that helps you train your pet. She's also worked with celebrity dogs, dogs and animals that have been featured in movies, which is just a little interesting tidbit. It was a great conversation. I had a lot of fun. Let's give it a listen. So what was it like uh, training animals for movies? It was really fun, but also difficult because you get a storyboard and you know you train for weeks on what the director sent you and you get to set and then they're like, yeah, we're not gonna do that anymore. We need you to do X, Y, and Z. And you're like, the animal doesn't do X, Y, and Z. So, you know, you have to figure it out on the fly. Um, we joked a lot about, you know, you train for two to three weeks and you get to set and it just throws all your training off. <laughs> Well, they say in film, like, babies and animals are the most unpredictable or something. That they are, yes. And you definitely, uh, actors have actors and actresses have to have very s- strong egos when they're dealing with children and animals because they are very unpredictable in that scenario. <laughs> I remember when I was young, maybe like seven years old or so, there was like a neighbor dog that bit me and I was just afraid of dogs for a long time and then eventually we got a dog but I I was super scared of it are there any strategies for kids who might be afraid of dogs um yes so dogs and kids can be very problematic because they speak two totally different languages so for instance dogs don't like to be hugged And young children love to hug and kiss in the face. And for a dog, that's an aggressive act. Mm. So um, I'm sorry that happened to you. That had to be terrifying. Um, That was probably a territorial bite if it was a neighbor. But basically explaining to a child um, how how it's safe to interact with, with a new dog. Because a new dog is like meeting a new person, right? You don't just necessarily go up and hug somebody you don't know. You don't go up and uh, joke around with somebody you don't know, right? There's there's cordial things that we need to do to get to know that other person. And it's the same thing with the other animal. And sometimes it's depending upon the species as well. So giving animals space is really important. Um, And especially when bringing in a new animal or an older animal or even a young animal into a new space with humans, 
that's pretty frightening for the animal as well. And everybody expects it to be, you know, oh, this is going to be great. It's like throwing a human in a new space. Like if you're adopting a human, you don't automatically expect them to just flip a switch and, and be cool with everyone. Exactly. I mean, I talk to a lot of my clients right now who have adopted dogs that are, especially coming out of the COVID, that are completely under socialized. And they get so frustrated because they're in class and their dogs are just sitting behind the chairs trembling. Oh. Like, let's give them some time, give them their space. They're going to be okay, but we need to respect them and look at their body language and let them know what they're, you know, what they're telling us. Because the bottom line is a dog's body posture or any animal's body posture is never going to lie to you, even well, a human, right? <laughs> you got to look at the body posture. Why do animals get such bad separation anxiety? Like I have friends where they're like, I can't leave for over an hour because my dog gets so upset. Two types of separation anxiety. So there's true separation anxiety, which in that case, we get self-mutilation, destruction. Mm -hmm. The dog will drool and be just wet with thick, sticky saliva. Um, and that's a true physiological response to the anxiety of being left alone. And then there's what I call spoiled rotten brat syndrome, which is just barking and complaining the whole time. So there's two different levels of it, but bottom line, what it comes down to is training. Yeah. Um, and if animals do things that, that work for them. So if it's spoiled rotten brat syndrome, where, and, and how I define this when I speak to my clients is that if you put your dog in the crate and you give them a bunch of cookies and you leave, when you come back, are those cookies gone? And if they've eaten, that tells me that it's not true separation anxiety. It's just mm -hmm. tantruming. So in that aspect, then, okay, so we're going to train. We're going to put you in the crate. We're going to give you a couple of cookies. We're going to leave and we're going to come back and we're going to let you out. And then you start extending the time. And then sometimes with the separation anxiety, because it is a physiological response, the veterinarian can help tremendously with proper medication. And then with a training protocol and medication, we can get the animals to feel comfortable being alone. But dogs are social animals. You work with a lot of new families or at least new dog owners. What are the common issues that people seem to be coming to you with? Potty training, number one. Mm -hmm. um, which is difficult if you're bringing a new puppy into the house and you've got a busy household with children and et cetera. That's incredibly difficult. Mm -hmm. Secondly would be, like I said, the separation anxiety, mm -hmm. uh, chewing up things and destruction. And destruction comes from a dog being bored. Um, when you adopt a new pet, I tell my, especially my families, you just don't have a pet. You have a new baby. Yeah. Right. You can't, just ignore them and expect them to be okay. They are now a part of the family and they need equal time and everybody needs to help take care of that animal just like everybody is helping taking care of brothers and sisters. And is keeping it from getting bored just taking it on walks or hanging out and watching TV with it or how do you get them not to chew up the house? Um, you give them proper things to chew on. So there are products like a Kong, which you can stuff with edible, edible food. My favorite device is called the Topple, T-O-P-P-L-E. It's made by Westpaw. Um, and again, it's, it's like a big giant cup that you can stuff and they just stick their nose in it and they can lick. Um, but when you use those types of products, I always tell my clients to freeze them. So they're your puppy pacifiers, right? Yeah. You, you don't go out to dinner with the, your toddler and not have a bag of stuff for them to do, right? So you need your puppy pacifier bag. 
And those things should be in your freezer stuffed, ready to go. So when you need to sit down and do a Zoom call or you're so tired, you just wanna watch a movie with the kids, the dog or puppy can be a part of the whole experience, except they've got their special thing to do. What about those rawhide bones? When I was a kid, I had a dog and they would just chew on that rawhide bone and then eventually eat it. So rawhide is dangerous. Oh. Um, you can give rawhide as long as you're watching the dog, but the hide expands. So if you've ever watched a dog chew rawhide, it gets soft and gummy, mm -hmm. and then they take bites of it and swallow it. If they take too big of a bite, it can actually cause a blockage in their intestines because it will swell in their intestines. So as long as you're watching a dog eat rawhide and you can take it away from them before they you know, swallow that last piece that may cause a blockage, then that's okay. Um, there are better chews out there now, um, one of my favorite chew toys for uh, any dog is called a bully horn, and that's the, um, the tip of a water buffalo horn. So not only can you stuff it if you need to, it's made out of keratin, so it's not going to cause blockages. It's hard. It will last forever. Um, bully sticks are also really good uh, chews. They're made of muscle. Um, so they will not expand. There's also yak milk bones that you can give. Seems like with everything, times are kind of changing. Like I remember growing up and potty training my dog and the idea was like, put their face in the like urine and be like, no, and really like go in on them. Is that still what people do or what people should do? Or what are the tips for potty training? That is absolutely the worst possible thing you can do. But <laughs> yes, some people are still doing it. Um, so when you yell at a puppy or a dog for going to the bathroom in the house, how they perceive it is you're yelling at them for going to the bathroom in front of you. Mm. Right. And so in order to properly train your pet to go to the bathroom outside, you need to be out there with them and praise them when they go to the bathroom in front of you. So if you have punished them for urinating or defecating in front of you in the house, there's no way they're going to do it for you outside. If you see your animal having a mistake in the house, you want to interrupt and you don't want to interrupt with an N-O. It's like, no, it's higher pitch sound, take them outside and see if they'll finish. If they don't finish, then you bring them inside, put them in a crate for 15 minutes and then take them back outside and you rinse and repeat until they finish going to the bathroom outside. Dogs cannot urinate if they're stressed. So if you're out there going, go potty, go potty, <laughs> they're not going to be able to go potty because they're like, why are you mad at me? So um, yeah, humans just need to chill a little bit and relax and these animals, I mean, dogs just have such a psychology to them and their own personalities and all these things. One thing that's difficult about dogs are the barking. Barking when someone comes to the door. Um, barking for you don't even know why. But you've said before that there's different types of barking. So explain that to me. Um, so there's watchdog barking. And so that is there. It's an alert bark that really low there's a problem it's my job to tell my human there's a problem and so when you've got watchdog barking as a human even if you know it's just the gardener because you hear the gardener you need to go look and say it's okay Fido it's just the gardener come on over here 
If you don't respond to it, they're gonna keep doing that. Um, high pitch alert barks, especially for younger dogs. Yep. That um, is, I have to go to the bathroom if they're in the crate. So you need to let them out. Um, there is demand barking. Um, demand barking is probably the most common that we deal with. And that's when your dog just stares at you and goes, ruff, ruff, ruff. and that's, they want your attention. And guess what? That works because what do you do? Quiet, hush, shut up, no. I'm gonna give you a treat to shut you up so you just go away. So there's a lot of different types of barking depending upon what the animal is barking at depends upon how we deal with it. If it's being upset with people coming through the house, um, you know, that's in the beginning proper socialization. So if you're lucky enough to have a young puppy, have a lot of people over practice the puppy staying with you getting treats while people come into the house and ignore the puppy so the puppy's like yes when people come in I get treats this is awesome if you have a rescue that you don't know is history that goes crazy when people come over before somebody comes over go put them in a back bedroom in a crate let the people come in then once everybody's settled bring the dog out on a leash let them look around a little bit give them some yummy hot dogs or cheese something super high value so strangers in the house means something great's going to happen and then the duration of time that the animal is exposed to that situation is important too so in the the more common right now is i rescued a dog and he goes crazy when people are in the house Maybe you expose him to people sitting in your living room for three minutes while he's eating hot dogs. And then mm. you put him back in the crate for 20 minutes. So the dog can be like, wow, that was really cool. When do I get to come back out again? There's hot dogs out there. And then you can relax with your people and entertain and then be like, okay, we're going to do another training session with Fido. Everybody stay still. Nobody look him in the eyes. No eye contact is very important. And then you bring him out. And next time, maybe you bring him out for seven minutes. Um, the animal will let you know where they're comfortable. If you bring them too close to the people and they stop eating, that means you need more distance. Mm. What is the look in the eye thing? They just take that as like a primal challenge or? It's a direct threat. Mm -hmm. Yes. And there's a wise tell on, you know, stare a dog down. Um, if you stare a dog down, most likely you're going to get bitten. So when dogs are nervous or stressed, um, and they want to tell another dog that there's no, there's no challenge here. They defer, they look away, mm. they look away. Mm. Your own dog may do that to you. When you're staring at them directly, they may lick their lips, they may yawn, and then they look away. Those are all things they're trying to do to calm themselves down because they have no idea why you're staring at them and being aggressive. Yeah. What about dogs jumping on you when you first get in the house or jumping on your guests? That seems a common problem with dogs. Like they always want to jump on you. That's because jumping works. It gets attention. <laughs> Even no down off is attention. So what we try to tell our clients and what we practice around here is nothing for free, which means your dog needs to sit for everything. So this goes back to training. So sitting is incompatible with jumping. So when I meet a human, if I run into them and I sit, not only do I get a yummy cookie, then that human says hello to me. Mm. So it's being prepared, having treats available. Um, if you know your dog's going to jump on a guest, put them on a leash. And instead of holding the leash, when they jump, you pull back, which helps them jump, step on the leash so they're tethered to the ground. 
And then again, reward for keeping four feet on the floor or for sitting. Another issue a lot of dog owners come into is the dog needs surgery or something happened or they broke their leg. Do you tell people just set aside four grand or something or any ideas about that? <laughs> so pet insurance is, is very helpful, especially for those unknown expenses. On average, a healthy pet costs a household almost $800 a year. And that's a healthy pet. And that's still going to the vet, et cetera. Not count, and that's not including a, a high grooming dog, like a poodle or a Bichon or something that needs to go get fancy haircuts every couple of weeks. So a pet's expensive for sure. Um, pet, pet insurance is not that expensive. Some vets also have uh, insurance plans as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, just as in anything, you should always have any family, if you're available, you should have an emergency cash fund for any type of emergency. What questions should families ask themselves before even getting a dog in the first place? Is there like a checklist they should go through? Yes, that is an excellent question. What is our lifestyle? What type of breed will fit into our lifestyle? So if you are a family that likes to go to the movies, watch TV, play board games. A border collie is not the dog for you, right? You don't want a high energy dog. Um, if you're an active family that likes to go hiking and biking, then a border collie or a German shepherd or a cattle dog might be a really good choice. So you wanna look at the activities that your family enjoys to do, the activity level that you want to put into the dog. Um, working dogs need to work. And you can go to the akc.org website and they've got great profiles on all the breeds. Um, so you can take a look at, would, would these personalities fit into our family? Are these the personalities that we want in a dog to live in our family? Well, thank you so much for being here, Lori, and for being part of this this morning. Any closing thoughts you want to leave our audience with? Pets are a lot of work, but they're so worth it. Um, it can be heartbreaking at times, but they do bring a level of love, and especially with the kids' responsibilities, whether that is teaching your kids the responsibility of helping you feed and clean up after the animals every day, but also the responsibility of love. And, you know, to be kind and gentle with animals and people and the love that they give back is exponential. Um, you know, we're getting ready to go on vacation. And I know in about three days, my son's going to be like, can we go home? I miss my cats. And I think that's a, that's a really sweet thing for a 14 year old kid to say. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it, they, they, they can become a beautiful part of your family and an important part of your family. You just need to understand that when you first get them, they speak a different language. And like I tell my clients, we've got these, which means we're smarter. So it's up to us to learn that language and communicate with them. Once you start communicating with your animal, it's a piece of cake. Thank you, Lori. I give it five paws out of five. This has been The Parental Compass by Family Education and Support Services. I'm Bobby Williams. We'll see you next week. Peace.